Life is often so busy, taking us here, there, seemingly everywhere. When you are unable to make it to church, we hope you are fed and nourished by listening to the preaching of God's Word wherever you are at the moment. In the meantime, take care, and God bless. First of all, I want to get to the bottom of something. Anyone in this assembly, either here or online, that has been praying for snow, please raise your hand. No, seriously, this is real. No one? Online someone was. My little friend Abby wrote through her father that she's been praying for snow. If you are, knock it off. Please just stop. Uh, You can tell me your name. We'll have a fundraiser. We'll send you Colorado or Montana. But I'm just, it's, I'm up to here with this. So you might be wondering... How many sermons can we have on being lost and found? Here's my answer. We have five. Lost sheep, lost soul, today, lost coin, lost son, lost cause. Some of you are probably thinking, lost cause. Hmm, who should I invite to that Sunday who needs a compass? But... I think I know who's preaching because I make out the schedule. I think that person will likely say, because that person went to Luther Seminary and understands Lutheranism, that with Christ there are no lost causes. But I wanted to say two things before I have three points. And the first is, we did not pick this sermon series about being lost because we think you're lost. Instead, Jesus thinks you're lost. And all of us are lost from time to time and we need to be found. It's not like we sat around a drafting table and said these are wayward and lost people. Jesus brought this up. Blame Jesus. We're only saying what Jesus said. And number two, someone in and around us is lost and we are asked to help bring that person back to the fold. That's what lost and found is all about. We're all lost, we're found by Christ or someone who's an agent of Christ. And then once we are found, we are to spend our life looking for those who need the same help and being that to people. With that out of the way, three points. Point number one, of what value? So I was driving in this town, and you know how much I love to drive in this town to do an errand because it is like the Hunger Games, because there's so much traffic. And I'm not going to tell you where I was going because it might have been you, and that'd be awkward. But I'm driving, and there's two lanes here, and there's two lanes here. I grew up in small towns where there were no four lanes anything. We just have four lanes just all over the place. But I'm driving behind this car, and I'm going to run an errand, and then all of a sudden, I noticed this flying object, and it was a wrapper. It was like McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's or whatever. And all of a sudden, it whizzed past my car. And I thought, well, that's odd. That person just threw something out of their car window. Now, you can call me naive, because I'm naive, because every time the snow melts and you see all the litter, like, where'd that come from? But I always like to think that it's people who just have too much garbage and the wind comes along. I really don't think that there are people, I would like to think that there aren't people who just open up their window and say, I think I'll use the world as a garbage can. But that person just did. 
And my colleagues know, and my wife and my children know that kind of when I get going, I mean, I go from zero to 50 in passion. I'm not, oh, look at that, that's interesting. I'm like, really, look at that, that's not interesting. And so I started to think, I need to get out of that lane because the next thing thrown might be a bowling ball. I don't know if the person gives up bowling, just hurl it out there. And here's the thing about me is that I don't wear all my things on my sleeve. My core convictions, other than Jesus, are my core convictions. I don't tell you that I love trees, but I love trees, but I don't wear a shirt that says I love trees. I'm a tree hugger, but I don't have to tell everyone I love the earth because I love the earth. It's not about whether or not you think I love the earth, it's about whether or not I love the earth. So it bothered me that this person threw something out. But then it got worse because I thought, I'm gonna get away from this chumbalone, and so I just went into the left, and then I noticed how dirty the car was, and so I started getting judgy. You ever get judgy? Yes, you do. And it wasn't just salt. It was old dirt, but then I looked at the windows and they were fogged up, not from fog of cold, it's just like grease and grime. And I'm thinking to myself, if your car is that dirty, just throw your wrapper in your car. You've done it before. And then one fell swoop, just go. And then you're gonna go into the cloud nine and they'll say, oh my word, but threw it out. And I'm thinking, okay, okay. You're compassionate. Maybe the person doesn't have enough money to go to a car wash. But then I thought, that person has enough money, perhaps, that when he, in this case, gets a fine of 250 to 500 bucks for littering, you're going to have to pay it. So clean your car. But then I found something salvific that I realized, and this is how my mind works, this is why I'm a preacher, because all this is going on as I'm listening to KQRS, and I know Aerosmith was on, and I'm thinking about all this stuff. It's amazing what I can do. That's not helpful. But if I would have seen a Greenpeace bumper sticker on that jalopy, I would have gone ballistic in my head because don't say you love the earth and open your window and throw it out. This person was a consistent body of work, if nothing else, because everything was messy. But I don't like people who purport to be, but don't strive to actually live it out. And so I thought, I'd ask the questions, what do you value? What do you hold dear? What is truly important to you? Then live accordingly. We live in a society, I think that it's pretty easy to just post a picture and to write that you're for and against. But whether or not you actually give money to those causes, whether or not you actually give a pound of flesh, whether or not you choose to live with the people and in the neighborhoods that you say are underserved, the more that is said and done, more is said than done. And actions speak louder than words. Don't, if you will, I'll kick your coverage, nor should I. If I say I love the earth and then I litter the tail of the tape is what? And so, what do you value? What do you hold dear? What is truly important to you? Then live accordingly. 
For the council members, and there's one at least here I can see, this is a repeat, so just take a nap, and it's nice that Pastor Peter gives me permission to, to take a nap. I'll take that home with me and see how that flies. But at the council meeting, we always begin with acceptance of the agenda, and then we do a devotion, and then we have a little check-in because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We talk about our highs and our lows. We talk about what's good, or we ask for a prayer request. It's, it's our favorite. It's my favorite part because the church business is actually penultimate. The ultimate part is that we're together in Christ. And what I said, this is a repeat, because a couple weeks ago, I woke up really early in the morning and I couldn't sleep anymore and I was tired and you know when you don't sleep well and you wake up and think oh okay well good luck here and I had a night meeting in the council and I had a couple meetings in the morning that kind of went haywire and things weren't going that well and I had something in the middle of the afternoon that I wasn't looking forward to you ever have one of these days or you have like five of these days uh, in a month and I was thinking about how long, oh Lord, and how I'm going to get through this. And then I walked by my wife's office here. Not all of you know, but my wife Joy is the director of marketing and evangelism here. And she's in the office next to me because I love her and I just I like to be near her. And I was walking down the hallway. And I always like to stop in, but I looked to my left and I saw our son Jacob. He's a senior saying all of his... His sister, our daughter, Rachel, is a junior there. And, and all of a sudden, I saw him. And then I realized that sometimes I don't listen uh, that well, that I think my wife had said that Jacob's coming to town to go to the wild game because our son plays hockey. And why not, you know, in college, just go to wild game because that's what we all did when we went to college. But I digress. <laughs> but in the throes of my day, feel me? when I felt long in the tooth and I was tired and I didn't know how I was gonna get there, I saw an unexpected child. I'm like, buddy! And I gave him a hug and he gave me a hug and then he asked for the Costco card <laughs> and he needed gas and I thought, here you go! And it lasted like two minutes because that's the time you get for tripping in hockey and two minutes he was gone with our money and our card but I honestly felt like someone put air in my tires I use that metaphor that when I see our three kids when I see my wife and I see our dog Ruby it put air in my tires when people deflate my tire when the world assails me, I simply need to be held by Jesus and seen and see four people and a little dog named Ruby and I am golden because those are the entities and the people that I value the most. If I have them and Jesus, I'm good. I'm rich. Life is bountiful. I'm not bragging. I'm telling some people think of title. Some people think of money. Some people think of a cabin. Some people think of whatever you hold dear. And where I'm going with this is that in all these parables, Jesus is simply saying, just in case you don't know, I value you. 
Whether or not you're faithful and you're here, or whether or not you run off and you're a rascal, I'm going to sacrifice everything for you. That's what Jesus says in the New Testament. That's what God says in the Old Testament. I, we, us value our children. Period. Point number two. St. Luke, the 16th chapter, the 10th verse. I realize that this would work a lot better if you were Baptist or you were Missouri Senate Lutheran because you're all looking up there saying, I don't know. And that's okay, but I'll give you a hint. You ready? Name this verse. There you go. That's all you get. You have 90 possibilities. Okay, fine. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. This is in the Bible. If you tell one little lie, you will then tell a medium lie. And when you get away with the medium lie, you and I will tell a big lie. And if that works, it goes to huge and then ginormous and then it goes on and on. Watch the pennies and the dollars will take care of themselves. Ben Franklin, a penny saved is of more value than a penny paid out. When leaving a monastery to start the Sisters of Charity, Mother Teresa had two pennies. She was asked by a head priest what she could possibly do with two pennies. She said, nothing but with two pennies and God, I can do anything. Jesus leaving the 99 to find the one seems illogical, irrational, and senseless until that one is you. Until that one is perhaps one of your children or your sister or brother or your mom and dad or grandma and grandpa. I said when I preached about the Good Shepherd is that when Jesus said I had 100 sheep and then I left the 99 to go get the one, that Jesus, if actually a shepherd, would have been put on a performance improvement plan. He would have been put on double secret probation because the wolves and the coyotes are sitting up. The dude left the 99. Let's have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Munch, munch. But Jesus wasn't talking about sheep. He was talking to a bunch of shepherds, and the only way they would understand anything is the kingdom is like, let's just say sheep. I get sheep. But I'm talking about people. Looking for one lost coin seems illogical and irrational and senseless until you realize Jesus isn't talking about coins. I looked at a number of commentaries. Yes, I look at commentaries. It doesn't always show, but I look at commentaries of scholars who tell us what to think and what to ruminate over. And everything I read basically was summarily, it actually had this long thing about how long someone worked in that day and age to be the equivalent of one lost coin. And it's brilliant. And I'm sure it's right. But I don't think that's what it's all about because it's not about money, so don't do that. 
It's about people. It's about perhaps your child, my child. It's not talking about coins. Years ago, my wife and I went through something called your, your money or your life. It was before David Ramsey and all that stuff, and he was on Oprah, so he was a big deal. And what you do for two months is you track everything that you spend. And then when you get done with the two months, you look at all the things that you spent money on, and numbers don't lie unless you want them to lie. And then you look perhaps and see that you spent $900 one month going out. Well, you better like going out, baby. Because half of that can't be used for something else. But it's about what you value, but it's also not about the money because it's a matter of you and I spend our time and our money on those things we value. And if those things are lost, it's hard to figure out a budget for a church, but it's even harder to find a budget for a community or even harder to find a budget for a government because if you cut funding from stuff, if you cut funding to single mothers and then it continues to be more specific. It matters to them. And that's why it's really important that you and I also as a Christian community, but also you and you and I pick our leaders and you and I sojourn through that, is that what do we value? And then if that's lost, there are people. There are people behind that. And I guess maybe because I'm the senior pastor here and I know what budgets are about and everything you fine-tune, it's not about the money, honey. It's about the things that it does and the people that it helps. Point number three. Here's my question. If you have children, how many of them do you love? I'm just going to awkwardly stand here and look at the people who have kids. Uh, all of them would be my guess. If your child said, I hate you, and never want to see you again, but one day in the future your child texts you and it reads, will you be at home tomorrow morning at 9 a.m.? Will you be there? Let's just make this more true to daily life. Is that Let's say that your child decides to... Instagram and Facebook about what a terrible human being you are. First of all, taking things out of context, also taking things that really should happen within the sanctity of the house and make them public, but also he or she fabricated and lied and added steam to their fire. And then they ask you whether or not they can come home and whether or not you're going to be readily available to him or her. My guess is, uh, yes, you will. You wouldn't miss it for the world. Got it? When we went from our second child to our third child, one of our dear friends gave us a book. It's called You're All My Favorites. Because when you have two kids, for example, and you have two parents, then it's person to person. Then it's man to man, woman to woman. When you have three, you have to go zone. And it's harder. But if you have three kids, you love them all as your favorite. Where I'm going with this is that 
all the people in this world are God's favorites. And when one of them is lost, we're supposed to stop and go help and find. Just like when we're lost, Jesus stops, goes, and finds. Now here's the good news. I know you all look a little like you lost an hour of sleep, and I know I do too. So don't be judgy. And I know you want to go home and take that Pastor Peter endorsed nap. I would go on, but the thing about lost, 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 lost is that we have these very thin lanes. And I can still remember the Sunday when Pastor Peter took my text that I was going to preach on the next week. And I was angry at him for like 15 minutes. And I got over it. And so I'd really, really, really love to tell you a story of a dad who had two sons and one of them said, I want all my loot, and then I'm going to go away and go to Vegas, or now it would be Nashville, and then comes home, and and I can't because that's next week. And then I would really like to talk about the lost cause. But I can't because a person in two weeks would really be angry with me for 15 minutes. But I wanted you to know that all five of these are endemic of what we do in this place every single week of every single year where we tell you, contrary to how society or our employment places or everything else treats us, is that if you're good, then you're rewarded. Or if we have room for you, you can stay. If we can afford you, we won't replace you with someone younger. Feel me? In Jesus Christ, the more rascal we are, the further we go astray, the more we are lost, the more Jesus leans in and says, I am going for you. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Eliana sang about it, but we preach about it because we all get lost and Jesus comes and gets us. And then Jesus says, when you see someone who's like you, who's been there, done it, just like you, go get them. Can you just imagine a society in which we tended to people like Jesus wants us to tend? You and I can leave today after a nap You go to work this week, you go wherever you go, whether or not you're retired or gainfully employed, in your neighborhood, in my neighborhood, in my life, be thankful that Jesus finds you when you're lost, and then look and see those who need some help and bring them back into the fold. I remember this week that in seventh grade in Southwest Junior High in Elberly, Minnesota, I've told you before, I had rough patches in my academic career. I was good at lunch and I rocked FIAD. Almost every single iteration in FIAD, I was one of the first persons picked because I was a better athlete than I was a student, especially at that time. I thought this week that if I could remember the dear woman's name because it was in 1976 and I'm getting up there, I would write her and say, by the way, every single 
fired class, you made me feel found because I did terribly in all the subjects up to fired and after fired, but I rocked it. And she treated me like I was the most important sheep in the fold. For some reason, that wonderful gym teacher looked at me and thought, that guy's had a hard day. And that guy's got to go back to getting D's. Let's make him feel good for one hour. I thank her. She saw that one little lost sheep and I rocked kickball. Oh my word, I rocked everything. I got an A in every single fired class. And maybe because she made me feel like I was found, maybe I was found in other areas of my life as well. Enjoy this week that when you and I stray, Jesus says, come here, come here, come here, come here. And then return the favor. Go find someone who's lost. Share the love you first received from Christ. The Lost Coin. Until next week. Amen. We hope you found this week's message helpful as you think about how you will live out your faith each day. If you would like to support the ministries at St. Andrew Lutheran Church, you can do so by having your credit card information available and then texting a gift to 952-260-9007. Thank you and God bless.